It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Faster my crazy day. My pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. I'm James Erpine. A lot to get to today. Joe Goodberry coming up in less than 60 seconds. You can subscribe on iTunes, audioboom.com, the iHeartRadio app. Also, check out LockedOnBengals.com. I have five observations from the Bengals Win over the Browns. Every podcast posted there daily and so much more on Twitter, by the way, at Locked on Bengals, at James Erpine. Joe Goodberry joins us every week following the Bengals game for our weekly film review. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work for Bengals Wire as well. There's a link on his Twitter feed. And Joe, it's the first time all year, but you're joining me after a win, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, and you're right. It feels good to have that win. And uh, even though people sometimes after a win will will turn a turn an eye to the issues the Bengals have, I think with the hole they they dug themselves into before getting that first win, people seem pretty receptive to uh, not believing everything is all fixed. But yet, what do they have to do to continue winning? Yeah, what do they have to do? I'll tell you what, Andy. If he continues to do what he did uh, on Sunday, then they're going to continue winning. I mean, he's 25 of 30, pro football focused. It had him as the highest graded Bengal, 88.7 overall. Had a, a completed 16 straight passes at one point during the game. To me, it has a lot to do with Bill Lazor, and, and you can answer it however you want. But what did you think of Andy Dalton's performance? I finally have some confidence that the offensive coordinator for the Bengals is going to put him in a position to succeed. Might have been the Browns' defense. But when you you turned on the film, you watched Dalton, what did you see? I thought it was easily one of Dalton's most efficient games of his career. I, one of his best games, honestly, just for what they asked him to do. Um, while he didn't have to make too many hard or difficult throws, mostly because the Browns left guys open, I mean, for the most part, uh, <laughs> I thought the offensive game plan was exactly what we should have, uh, for the most part, with quick passes, uh, putting guys in motion, which is allowing Dalton to, to read before the snap much easier to, to you know, give you a man or his own look. Um, the red zone, earlier I, I pointed out the, the, the corner route to um, A.J. Green. I, I put it on, on Twitter, uh, a breakdown of that play. But it's also, if you go back and look at the interception um, in, in week one of preseason against the Bucks, it's the same look. The Bengals love that look in, in, in the red zone. And, before with Zampezi, and I think they also had that look against the Ravens, too. He threw an interception against the, the Bucks. He fumbled it against the Ravens. 
he wasn't seeing it correctly. They they weren't adding the little things in the offense to help him read the defenses. And now they're putting just a little guy in motion, whether it be Tyler Cross or Giovanni Bernard or a receiver. Um, and what it does is it helps Dalton read the offense. And now in that play, in that scenario, the both corners are blitzing, and it puts uh, Green one-on-one with your both preppers. It doesn't matter how bad your offensive line is. That ball is coming out in half a second. And if you place it perfectly and you're throwing it to green versus rookie safety, you're going to take that every time. So Bill Lazor has definitely helped. You saw the offensive line wasn't an issue at all, honestly, in pass protection, I should say. Um, and, and, you know, that's what we're worried about when we're talking about Andy Dalton and the, and the passing offense. But if you can mitigate the, the rush and mitigate the, the weaknesses on the offensive line, you can help hide Dalton's deficiencies in the pocket and with his internal clock. And I think they did that well. And, and I don't know what it is, why he's torched the Browns the way he has, but, man, the f- last five games, uh, I think it was uh, now at this point 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions, throwing at almost 80% completion against the Browns. That's pretty crazy. And uh, it, it, I don't expect that to completely continue because those numbers were insane yesterday. But at the same time, uh, if, if this is the new offense, the, the team should be much better. Yeah, Joe, and I thought early on, obviously they they had the fumble, kind of struggled early on. And then there was a screenplay where Dalton floated it up, and it was an awful screen pass. And I think a lot of people, including myself, because last week I was worried going into this game. If Andy Dalton from week one or week two showed up, I was expecting to see A.J. McCarron this week against Buffalo. I just was. He didn't. He was much better. And he rebounded from kind of a slow start. One thing that I think will be important moving forward is in the red zone. Uh, the last five attempts or, or five appearances in the red zone, they've scored touchdowns, I believe. Yesterday, A.J. Green finally gets a red zone target. Tyler Croft came up big in the red zone. Obviously, we know that weapon A.J. Green is. W- what did you see from the Bengals and how they used Tyler Croft on film versus how they used Tyler Eifert? Honestly, they use them very similarly mm-hmm. uh, because they haven't been able to do the things you normally expect with Eifert, which is splitting them out wide and using them no matter who's covering them, whether it be a corner, a linebacker, or safety. Um, Eifert, even last year, was, was hobbled. They couldn't do as many things as they wanted to do. Obviously, this year he's dealing with injuries, and they couldn't do all the things they normally would either. But they were still able to split Eifert out wide, uh, detach him from the line, uh, along the run vertical routes, uh, and whether it be man or zone, they felt comfortable with him. We saw a lot of that with Croft, and it was surprising because really Croft, even though I liked him as a prospect, and he's flashed here or there, and they've said they really liked him, and he's had some nice blocks here and there, uh, he's never really had a full game of you know eight targets or so just to really see what he has. And I thought he played very, very well. There was a stretch there where, where he caught, I, mean, I think, three out of the four passes on that drive, and they just kept going to him because he's just finding the hole in the zone, the soft spot, turning around, catching it, and keeping the offense moving. That's something they haven't had, to be honest. They've had big plays with Green. They've had the, all, what you always get with Green. But as a secondary receiver, they haven't had anybody to keep moving the chains. And, and Croft really stepped up. And I think that, that first touchdown, um, again, it was the same look where they got three wide receivers, uh, Dalton and Shotgun, and Croft a little bit detached up from the, from the line of scrimmage. And, um, and this time the, the Browns actually show the same look, too. Instead, they don't blitz their guys. So when the receivers go out into their routes, uh, I think they're, they're, they had to hold it for maybe like a split second longer because those guys didn't blitz on Cleveland. 
But Croft, you see him start fading away from the inside defender, knowing that if the ball is coming to him, it's going to have to be into the most open area. And he naturally did that, and Dalton hit him uh, on it. And it was really quick. looked like a routine touchdown. Um, but the little adjustment on the fly there I think was very important, and it showed that he can be a factor and he can be a weapon and help. And I think the second touchdown obviously shows his high-end ability uh, as a guy who can go up and get the ball. Oh, when I remember him at Rutgers, he had great vertical speed. He was a former receiver. He had all the ability to be a big-time weapon as a receiver. Uh, I think he's developed tremendously as a blocker. He's just been dealing with injuries this first couple of years, so I really haven't seen him in an extended showing. Uh, it was really nice to see that. I, I hope he gets uh, uh, more of those looks. We don't know how long Eifert's going to be out for, but even if he is, even when Eifert comes back, I think if you can trust Croft, uh, to be a guy that you can rely on, uh, then maybe you can help um, keep Pfeiffer healthy down for the rest of the year, you know? We're going to keep it rolling with Joe Goodberry here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. But first, a word from XBet. I found something you guys will love. XBet.ag. I was shocked when I saw it. I couldn't believe my eyes. I bet on sports. I figured, what the hell, I'll give this a shot. XBet.ag has everything. It's like Vegas in your pocket with their mobile website. I just log in and bet on any game I want right from my phone. You've got to check them out. Their website is clean, easy to use, plenty of great graphics. This is perfect for you. They even offer live in-game wagering, turning fourth quarter faith and emotional overtimes into heart-bounding cast stacking opportunities. When you join xbet.ag, use promo code XBET. That, that's the letter X-B-E-T. You'll get up to 100% bonus on your first deposit. Don't be the guy saying, I would have won big. Join XBet now and start winning today. Plus, if you refer a friend... Plus, if you refer a friend, you'll get up to 100% of their first deposit, too. So bring the squad and build the bank at xbet.ag, the newest and most exciting betting platform on the planet. Don't forget to use promo code XBET, that's X-B-E-T, to claim your bonus. One thing I noticed, Joe, was yesterday, obviously, you had the screen to Giovanni Bernard, and he takes it to the house, and that's a play we all remember. But they were getting the ball to mix in. Say what you want. They, they weren't able to run the, the ball a ton uh, in the running game. The, the Browns slowed that down some. But there were little screens, little quick hitters that are basically run plays, an extension of the run game that we didn't really see early on this year. I think that's going to help them, especially with the offensive line. How effective were those plays, the, the ones to mix in, the ones to Geo when you went back and looked? You know, what's funny is I was watching the early game, the London game, and it was uh, the Saints. And they're super efficient with their running backs in the flats and, and, and in screens and getting them out uh sketch passes. I think Alvin Kamara caught 10 balls in that game. Um, and he's a rookie, you know, and I started to think, you know, the Bengals should really look at the Saints offense a little bit and see how they're getting the ball to their, to their running backs. And without being able to run it too efficiently and, um, you know, without really relying on their tight ends because the Saints aren't at all right now, uh, they use the running backs almost in that in that in that way as an extension of the of the running game and as an outlet check down the way you would for a tight end, and they come out and the Bengals are actually doing a lot of that. They were they were trying to get the ball to to mix in and geo, and then even Hill had a ten yard catch. So uh, there's some room for improvement there. I think some of the routes 
should be a little bit deeper a lot, to give more room for your running backs. I mean, the routes of the receivers and tight ends so that you have more room underneath. Uh, that's still an issue um, where they'll see a zone defense and still end up checking it down, and you're, you're asking Mixon to make a guy miss within a half a second of catching the ball within two yards of the line of scrimmage. But uh, there is room for improvement. But I think getting the ball to your playmakers in space, which obviously includes Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon, um, obviously that's ideal. And that's something that you should continue to do, continue to grow with. Uh, and if they do, uh, it adds another element to this offense that I don't think they've really done, you know, really had. Even even Geo the last three, four years, um, he's caught a lot of balls. But most of them just check downs, things over the middle, uh, when guys aren't open. Not so much design stuff. Hugh ran a lot of – Hugh Jackson ran a lot of uh, uh, screens to the running back. But I don't think we saw it as much with Ken Zampezi. It would be nice if we get back to that and, and help – uh, slow down the pass rush. When you have those screens, those those defensive ends, those defensive linemen, stop rushing as hard because they have to they have to read now and they have to be wary of if they rush upfield too hard, that ball may go over their head. And, and in this case, Giovanni Bernard took that ball, 61 yards, I think it was, took that pass. Um, so you slow down the pass rush, and obviously that's something we want to do for the Bengals' offense. Joe, one more question for you about the offense. In this one is more on the negative side or just curious more than anything. I thought Tyler Boyd would fit well in this offense in year two. Had a pretty good year one and ended on a high note the last four or five games of the 2016 season. He doesn't seem to be fitting in right now. What are you seeing from him on tape, and why is it not working for Boyd? It's hard to say. Um, anytime you're an outsider watching film, you can see the easy mistakes. You can see the obvious losses due to athleticism, talent, physicality, strength, whatever the case may be. Uh, when a guy's not assignment correct, it's not. it doesn't always glare it or jump off the screen for you. Uh, Marvin Lewis had comments, I think it was on XM Radio, where he said, uh, Tyler needs to know his assignments or needs to know what he's doing on every play to be part of the act of 46. And there was one screen in particular where you see Boyd's coming in motion to the right side and it was just a quick screen to A.J. Green, and Boyd's in motion. They, they, they snapped the ball while he's still running. His job is to take out the corner that's coming down and covering A.J. Green. And if he can take him out, Croft takes out the safety, Green may take that ball for a long distance on a screen. But instead, that corner drives down. Uh, Boyd is late to react, like he's not sure what to do, a little hesitant, not aggressive enough, and that ball gets hit off. Tyler Boyd's elbow that and what looked to be a lateral pass at first, my initial reaction was uh, they ended up calling it a forward pass, but that could have been seven points right there. Uh, I think that is a, that play in particular, you look at it and you say, did Boyd know what he was supposed to do? Was he as confident in his assignment? Was he was he sure? Is he dealing with his own confidence issues because he's not seeing the ball as much? And, and there's other routes and other plays during the, during the season and even preseason where I thought where Dalton will look at him and pull it down and run in the pocket. And I and I thought, is he not seeing is he not seeing Boyd? Is Boyd not in the right spot? Is he not running the right route? Is Boyd not looking for the ball at that time? I've had questions, but not really sure about what was going on. So I think Marvin's comments were very enlightening. Um, now he's under the microscope when I watch when I watch the tape a little bit more. And um, you have to wonder if they start getting Alex Erickson a few more snaps there. You have to wonder when John Ross gets back if he gets some snaps in the slot. If Brandon Fell kicks in the slot. Uh, Boyd has an opportunity with no one really helping at the wide receiver position outside of A.J. Green. He has an opportunity to cement himself as a, as a go-to player and, and a, a staple in this offense, and so far he hasn't done that. Yeah, they definitely uh, – we talked about it before we started the podcast. John Ross would be 
certainly a welcome addition to this offense. He's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, this defense, which is now in top five in multiple categories, it looks like, and, and I was more worried about the defense. It's funny how things work than the offense going into this season just because of you had some young cornerbacks who I think have played relatively well. You obviously have Adam Jones who's getting a little older. Questions on the defensive line probably have been answered. This defense seems dominant to me. We're a month in. When you watch the film as a whole, including yesterday, but obviously rookie quarterback, awful wide receivers, there's only so much you can pick up from that or take away from it. What do you think about this Bengals defense? They're a good unit. They're a very good unit. If they have a weakness, I think it's right up the middle and in run defense. And I don't think we've had to see it the last couple weeks against the Packers and while they were down and against the Browns while they were down. I think it'll be tested a little bit more against the Bills because they like, they like to run the ball. They're almost a 50-50 team for run and pass. Uh, so they'll test them a little bit. I have been impressed with the secondary play and the pass rushers, especially the young guys. And honestly, Paul Gunther, he's done a great job. Without fine pass perfect those first three weeks, getting your best pass rushers on the field, going out there with five defensive linemen some, sometimes in, in nickel and saying, you know what, we're going to give everyone a one-on-one snap and one-on-one pass rush, and that helps Geno Atkins. That helps Carlos Dunlap. That helps everyone, to be honest, to have that one-on-one and then have that space. Um, but the, in the back half, I think Dark has been hard. Other than that drop pick six against the Texans and the missed tackle on Deshaun Watson, I think he's played very, very well. And he has been a fantastic tackler. Every time I see him fly into the screen with a running back or a tight end or receiver and, and the guy's running and trying to make someone miss, you see Dark, uh, Denard fly into the screen. I'm feeling pretty confident he's going to take him down. And he's been doing that the past three or three weeks now, I think, um, since the Texans game where it really, it really stood out there. Uh, and then William Jackson. He got 47 snaps last week uh, against the Browns. I think Pac-Man Jones only had 15. Now, they did rest some starters in the second half when the game was out of hand. But even though William Jackson had two pass interference calls, um, those are rookie mistakes. And I know he's a second-year player, but you know what I mean, Uh, young player mistakes. He looked good besides that. I thought the one fade where he gets in position to uh, to intercept the ball, and Britt uh, has to play defender and knocks it away, is a testament to Jackson's ball skills. We know he has that. Uh, you got to look at the plays where balls aren't completed against him, where he's covering the guy, and he looks great doing it. There's one play in particular where Michael Johnson gets a pass batted at the line, and William Jackson is undercutting the route, and he's going to intercept it. It looks like a pick six. And you should see Jackson's reaction after the play, after it gets tipped at the line. He just holds his head, and, and he's, he's like, oh, it could have been back-to-back weeks of pick sixes. So, yeah, he got beat a couple times, and the focus was on him a couple times for those penalties. But I think he had a good game. And I think overall for the year, for his first three games of NFL action, because he didn't play the one week, um, he's been really good. Drake Kirkpatrick, for the most part, has been good. He had some penalties versus the Packers, but for the most part, he's been good. The safeties have been really, really good. And they've been rotating Clayton for gentlemen there. He got a pick. Um, I I think this is a good good unit. And you know what? We talked about Nick Vigil a lot in preseason. Um he was okay the first three weeks. Getting Burfick back and what it looked like when Vigil and Burfick were together in preseason looked like that instantly again uh, for, against the Browns. They must have a good chemistry, good connection. They must communicate very well. They slide it to the ball together. Uh, Vigil was all over the field again. Uh, if that's what we're getting going forward with Burfick next to him, uh, that's a that's a Pro Bowl-type linebacker right there, and it's, it's really exciting to watch this defense right now. It is, and did you think that 
this could be because to me, I look at one and three and I look at what the offense is. And yes, the running game didn't get going yesterday and the offense struggled, especially in the first two weeks. I think this defense appears to be good enough to be able to lead them to get to, to some more wins here. You have Buffalo this week, a bye, and then Pittsburgh. Two offenses that will be able to score. They obviously have star players on, on both sides of the ball with Tyrod Taylor. Say what you want about him. I think he's really good. LaShawn McCoy. And then we know what Pittsburgh's rolling out there. So can this defense do that? Shut down a Tyrod Taylor. Slow down a LaShawn McCoy. And then go into Pittsburgh and do the same thing. I know Pittsburgh's offense hasn't dominated like we've expected it to. But I think in a couple weeks, they will be at that level. They'll probably be better than we've seen. You think this defense could slow them down? The key is they have a great pass rush, and that can slow any offense down. And an interior pass rush is huge, but those speed guy on speed guys on the edge, mainly Carl Lawson and Jordan Willis, Carlos Dunlap, Chris Smith even, um, and it's, it's big. Geno Atkins is playing as good as he ever has in these first four weeks. That defensive line could take over a game, and it, if it disrupts your quarterback, if it takes away your running game, uh, whether that's just beating up on your on your offensive line and forcing quick passes or errant passes from the quarterback, it's going to affect the game, and it, it's going to make the entire defense better. It's going to get the offense in, in manageable situations with good field position. Yeah, I think the defense is good enough to keep them in a lot of games. The problem is the offense has to score. Uh, I still think there may be a little bit of a problem with the offense after their first 20 plays or so, uh, and then especially in the second half, they've been getting outscored. I think back to now looking at the last 10 games, they've been outscored pretty badly in the second half. Uh, besides that, they have to you know, score early, defense is now in position to pin their ears back, pass rush, and be at their strength. I think if they get behind and offenses are allowed to run on them, that's when you can see a little bit of a, uh, of a weaker unit. But overall, yes, the question is, can, can this defense be the, the lead unit on this team? And I definitely think it is. And Joe, one more thing. I, I think they, they could have a really good defense. And if you do think they could lead this team, the, the other key component to maybe becoming a different offense than we envisioned, but would be the running game. Could they become a run-first offense, run-oriented offense? I look here, and Joe Mixon, who I don't think anyone doubts he's better than Jeremy Hill, averaging less than two yards a carry on Sunday. Jeremy Hill wasn't much better. What did you see in the running game on Sunday? What have you seen from the running game this season that needs to improve, whether it's the offensive line, play calling, etc.? The uh, the running game cannot lead this team or this offense based on what we saw. <laughs> it's, it's just truthful. It, this is the worst rushing attack I've ever ever watched closely. And I saw you um, tweeted that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even being crazy. I don't think I... It's just from scheme, just from talent on the offensive line to what they think they have on the offensive line sometimes based on... I don't think they think... that. They must think these are some powerful, strong dudes that can just road grade. Because what they ask them to do, they want them to fire off the ball and just man up and just power through these guys. And it is not happening. And then you will see them want them to block in the second level or do some zone stuff. And they don't have the athletes on the inside to do that either. And even though they have the athletes at tackle, they don't, they don't know where to, block some, where to block or when to block sometimes. I don't know if they're a man-blocking team, an ISO-blocking team. I don't know if they're a power team, a zone team. I really am struggling to find out what the Bengals' 
ideas for the running game. And then they keep bringing in a fullback going under center. Yeah. The, the numbers are insane for how much they average uh, per carry under center. It's what they do from shotgun. It's not even close. Um, so I'm not sure what they're doing. Andre Smith looked like a little bit of a boost there when they, they started him instead of a boy. And then Fisher had an issue, so they had to kick uh, Smith to the right tackle. I think Hopkins could end up getting getting his spot back at right guard because I don't think T.J. Johnson's been much better, and then he got hurt, and then Redmond really did not look good. Um, again, Russell Bodine having the same issues he's always had. Uh, even it's starting to affect Clint Bowling. I think Clint Bowling's probably having his worst year, and he's a good player. He's a decent guard, and I, I think when you're just the only guy that really knows what to do and when to do it, it's hard to, to really block because – it only takes one missed block. It only takes one guy to get blown into the backfield to kill a play entirely. And I, I, I looked at Mixon, and I looked at the last four carries, and I think he lost 31 yards on those last four carries um, just because they were blowing them up back there. And it was so clear they're going to run it. They, Did you say 31? Up. Yeah. It, they, that's oh why the average God. ended up being so bad. Yeah. Watch the last four carries um, be like they're trying to run the clock out. It, that's what Jeremy Hill's for. Your third running back is for that. It's not for Joe Mixon. If you're just going to run three times, take up two minutes off the clock and pump the ball, that's what Jeremy Hill should get is six carries, not to start the game. Um, but that's probably a different subject. But uh, you watch it, and they built, they bunch everyone up. They bring a fullback in who, after Hewitt was hurt, it was Stephen Carter and then T.J. Uzama. And they, I, just, I watched Dalton had to tell Stephen Carter where to line up a couple times. So obviously you're not prepared for that situation. You're not prepared to run power with him as your fullback. And they still go out there, and there's eight men in the box. They got seven blockers. So you got one unblocked defender. That one unblocked defender three times in a row hit Joe Mixon in the backfield at least five or six yards behind the line. It's like, what are we doing? What is the plan? What are, what's the idea going forward? Because currently – this cannot continue with what they think they're doing in the running game. Joe, could I say then, with, with everything that you just said there, one, cut Jeremy Hill out completely, don't do the fullback power formation at all, run out of the shotgun, and, and that's it. I mean, put Giovanni Bernard back there, put Joe Mixon back there, and if you're going to run it, you're going to run it, but you're already in a pass formation. Dalton thrives or is better when he's in the shotgun anyway. Isn't that the ideal offense? Isn't that exactly what uh, the Bengals should do for 99% of the time then? Yeah, it, it is. I think the one thing they really don't want to lose uh, by going to a full shotgun team is the ability to run traditional play action. Because I think that's the only way they're getting deep shots right now without without another fast receiver on the field. And, and we're looking right at John Ross there. And maybe even Josh Malone if they ever want to activate him. But right now, the only deep shots they're really taking is off play action. Um, one of the early throws was opposed to A.J. Green was off play action. The, t- the second touchdown to Tyler Croft was off play action, both with Dalton under center. Now, you can do some play action from, from shotgun, but it's just a little bit different. Um, it doesn't give you the same five, seven-step drop uh, and allow you to get that, that deep ball off and still have max protection with this offensive line. So I think it's a lot of issues and a lot of personnel deficiencies that is still keeping them with a few plays um, under center, and I actually I say a few plays, but it's really too many plays to be honest. And I believe they're running seventy five percent while under center, and they're passing seventy five percent while in shotgun. Um, it's very clear to defenses what they're doing when they come and line up. I'm watching this right now, and I'm saying that this is going to be a run. I, I felt like Tony Romo as I'm watching this. It's been four weeks now of the same thing, and I'm like, you can tell it's a run play just because Jeremy Hill's in the game, Ryan Hughes in the game. If I'm a defender. 
I'm crashing for the run there, even if you're going to play action off it, because it's either a run or a play action. If you're a defender in the box, you have your job. It's pretty simple. If the only thing you have to worry about is a deep shot going over your head, if you're one of those front seven defenders, you really don't have to worry about that. That's the secondary. So uh, for me, it, yes, they need to end up being a more shotgun team. And watching Bill Lazor before, who's come from a Chip Kelly-type scheme, they, they're they a shotgun team almost 95%. So it's surprising to me that he hasn't been able to fully implement that yet, whether that's Marvin Lewis being an old-school coach, being the coach of the Bengals forever now, uh, still saying, no, we need to have this implemented, uh, or them saying, you know, we like Dalton play action from under center. Whatever the case may be, I think as the season progresses, we will see less and less of them under center and more of them in shotgun. He's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Make sure you check out his work for Bengals Wire. It's bengalswire.usatoday.com. Joe, as always, I appreciate it. And next week, maybe we're we're talking about a second win uh, in as many weeks. That would be something. Thanks for having me, Dennis. That's Joe Goodberry. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from him. He will be contributing to the LockedOnBengals.com, to our new website, LockedOnBengals.com. Dot com. So make sure you check that out. I have five observations on the blog right now. Every podcast goes up there. LockedOnBengals.com. You can also get it. iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Audioboom.com. I'm on Twitter at James Rapine at LockedOnBengals. Make sure you check out XBet.ag, promo code XBet. You'll get 100% bonus when you make your first deposit. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until tomorrow. When I'll be in the Bengals locker room so you can hear the latest from Paul Brown Stadium. I'm James Erpine. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.